What's going on, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurism Podcast here with Dr. Sam Bakhtiar. He's the founder of the Camp Transformation Centers, the founder of the One Percenter Movement, and the host of the One Percenter Podcast. Sam, how's it going, man? What's up, man? Thank you, Brady. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. Before we dive into your story and how that plays into the whole foundation of the episode, I was asked this first question, what's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? Bottle service at the club. Okay. <laughs> you go into the club, you go in VIP, you know, you know, they charge you like a couple of thousand dollars for each bottle of alcohol, which costs 15 bucks at the store. Right. So you kind of look cool and you can have your own little section so you kind of impress the girls and the people around you and all that kind of stuff. That's the dumbest money you ever spent. So the other person that had that exact same answer was John Malott. Oh, man, that's my boy. Because we do the same. We actually party together and have fun together, man. We actually had bottle service together. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that he agreed. Exact same thing. But that's awesome. So I want to dive into your story because obviously, as you can see by your setting, you're very successful now, not only financially, but you've done a lot of cool things. I see right here on your website, Entrepreneur of the Year nominee, but you didn't start this successful. You came from Iran. I believe I read right. You came with $500. So bridge the gap there for me. How did that happen? Well, bro, I mean, you know, we were, you know, I was born in a third world country, Iran. You know, we left United States when I was 11 years old. And uh, we came here for the American dream. You know, no matter how hard I would have worked in Iran, nothing would have happened. Right. You know, I don't care what's going on right now with the world. We know there's a lot of turmoil right now with COVID-19, the police and you know, everybody is, you know, saying America is bad, America is bad, America is bad. America is the greatest country in the world. You know what I mean? Believe me, because I've traveled the world. Right. You know, so uh, I came here for the American dream. I knew that with my hard work, my persistence, my resilience, and, and just willing to do whatever it takes, I can make something out of myself. See, nothing is worse. Nothing is worse. And you know that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much effort, no matter how much education, no matter what you do, that you are limited. I don't want to limit on my life. Right. I don't want to limit on my life. I want to be able to, to be unlimited. I want to have unlimited potential. And America is the only country in the world that lets you do that. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I, I've never been to a third world country, but uh, I've talked to people, interviewed on podcasts, where they're just through networking. And they say, you have no idea. The things that we take for granted in America are luxuries in countries like that. And like you said, regardless of police or COVID or whatever, we have a lot of good things going for us. Yeah. But I want to dive into this one percenter movement, right? Because obviously, you know, I know you're a bodybuilder, so you could say one percent body fat, but I believe it's more or less one percenter of just wealth, success, fame, whatever. So how did that come about? What drove you to start that? Actually, Brady, like it's not 1%. It's not 1% of wealth, you know, anything like that. Eventually, right. we'll get to that. You know, when I first launched 1%, you know, it had a lot of bad connotation. A lot of people was like, well, 1%, what do you think? Because you have like a six-pack abs and you think that, you know, you are ripped and you have money. You're a millionaire. You're a 1%. You're better than us. Has nothing to do with that. Has nothing to do with that. A 1%er, to me, my definition of 1%er is anyone who does not like where they are right now. They don't like their circumstance that they are right now. I make a decision to change. Right. 
and willing to do whatever it takes to change, willing to go, to go through the pain, willing to be consistent, willing to go through trials and tribulation obstacles to get to where they want. That process is a one percenter process. See, you can be a billionaire and not be a one percenter because you inherited that money. You didn't do nothing for it. Right. You can be a 400 pounds guy that, that's broke and be a one percenter because you decided you want to change and you're willing to do whatever it takes. You're willing to give away all the distractions. You're willing to, you know, sacrifice towards your goal. To right. me, that's a true definition of one percenter. And it seems like you lived that movement yourself, right? Because you came up from a third world country with no money and you realized I want to change my life. And I think that's what a lot of people need to do nowadays. And, and maybe they don't do right that they want a change in their life, but they're not willing to do what it takes to make that change. Right. Mm -hmm. Nothing changes if nothing changes. So what you're saying is even if you don't like your life or where you're at, unless you do something about it, you are not a one percenter. Is that right? Let me tell you something, man. Nothing is worse for me. Look, if you're happy with your life and you just want to do whatever you want to do, then I'm happy for you. Right. I'm happy. I'm not here to judge you. If you're happy, I'm happy. However, if you open your mouth and say, I'm not happy where I want to be. I want to be here. And you're not willing to do anything. You just sit down and bitch about it. Then I can't be in your presence. Right. You know what I mean? I can't be in your presence. If you don't like your circumstances, move. You're not a tree. Change. You know, and that's why I started the 1% Club. Because I want to be around people who are willing to do whatever it takes to get to their goals. They're willing to go through hard work, sacrifice, you know, obstacles. You know, I just don't understand where somebody doesn't like their circumstances and they're not doing anything about it. Do you think the main issue people have is their mindset in regards to just ambition of where they want to be part of that part of that you know you first you, you got to have the right goals the right desire right. you know the right um you know the right faith you know some of them just they just i mean i have family members that i love that i absolutely love you know and they're okay you know but you know they, they want more stuff but they're, they're not willing to really do anything about it right you know what i mean i'm whatever yeah. I, I just don't operate that way. Yeah. And, and I can honestly tell, right. I mean, this is the first time we've ever spoke before and I, you know, just seeing you face to face through zoom, I can see this grit in your eye, right. This where no matter what you're gonna, you're gonna put in the work. Where does that drive come from? Right. And what still drives you to this day? Because I think a lot of people, and you probably experience this in your life, they get the money, they get the fame, they get the cars, they get the success, they get the awards, whatever. And they stop. Because they said, that's it, right? But it seems like you have this all, but you're not stopping. So what drives you? See, when I was broke, when I was broke and I was coming up, because I come from a very poor background, to me, success was the cars. Right. Success was the clothes. Success was the mansion, you know? And then I got here. Then, okay, so I got a couple of exotic cars. I got a couple of luxury cars. I got a couple of SUVs. I have a, you know beautiful mansion, you know, I have all, everything that I want, money in the bank, clothes, you know, jewelry, whatever. Then I'm like, I'm happy, but I'm not satisfied. And it's not about more material things. I don't need a bigger house. There's rooms in this house that I haven't been into in months. <laughs> I don't need more cars. Matter of fact, I'm actually selling a bunch of my cars right now. 
Because there's times that I get in a car, I forget my wallet is in another car. Sometimes I get in a car, I forgot it doesn't have gas in it. Sometimes I forgot, oh my God, and, you know, I forgot to renew the registration. So, the, so I got there and I'm like, no, oh, this, is, this is not happiness. Right. Happiness for me is two things. Peace of mind and progress. So for me, I got to get up and I got to get better. I got to get better relationally. I got to get, be- get better spiritually. I got to get better financially. I got to get better, you know, in all aspects of my life. To me, that's better. I don't want to be the same person I was yesterday. Right. I want to be better than yesterday. And tomorrow, I want to be better than I am today. And so on and so forth. So to me, you know, it's progress is what success is all about, what happiness is all about. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, at one time I had 19 cars. 19 cars. <laughs> I'm down to seven right now. And I'm trying to sell a few right now. So I, I want to I streamline it. I just have maybe two or three. Right. You know, I, I just don't use them. Yeah. But I think a, a lot of times, especially on social media, that is people's definition of success is the material things, right? And I'm reading a book right now by Craig Ballantyne. You might know him. I'm not sure. But he's, a beat. he's awesome. And he talks about your perfect week formula and how people are overextending themselves for a goal that's not actually their purpose. They're overextending themselves for material things. And he talks about how at the end of your life, say you have the money, the fame, whatever, if you're not happy, your life was a waste, right? The last thing I want to do, and I, and I feel this is the same way you operate, is you don't want to be on your deathbed and have regrets about living your life the wrong way. Yeah. So... I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs need to know is don't chase the, the cars, the fame, or whatever. That's great. But I feel like that's a result of reaching your, your pinnacle, your purpose. So Craig, by the way, he drove an old Nissan with like 150, 160,000 miles on it that he had to like dump, pop in the clutch, you know, and he, and he was a millionaire then. He was a millionaire. So I know Craig very well and he practices what, he's, what he preaches. Good Absolutely. dude. Good dude. It's interesting too because it seems a lot of people, um, I guess the the mega billionaires, right? So you, there's a there's a popular video out there of Jeff Bezos, and he's in his Honda Civic or Accord, and the guy's interviewing him says, "Hey, you're worth ten billion dollars. Why do you still drive this car? You could have whatever car you wanted." He's like, "I just this is not what I'm chasing. This is not what I'm after, right?" So that kind of drives you, right? It's like, yes, like why are you after a material thing? That's not going to come. That's that's not your legacy. Your legacy is how you make people feel, relationships, spiritual, all that sort of good stuff. But with peace of mind and progress, how do you track on a daily basis that you're actually uh, hitting these things in a positive way? Well, the way I track it is I put time aside for those things. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? For example, one of my biggest things, you know, one of my biggest things is spending time with family and my children. I block time for that. Okay. Another time is for me, I block time to exercise. To me, my health is very important. I block time for studying and reading. And also block time for make money activities. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I still want to make money. I'm not, I'm not a monk. I want to, that's one, that's one uh, aspect of, of success to me. But it's not everything. It's not everything at all. And it's definitely not money to just get more material things. Right. Is money so I can leave a legacy, so I can help more people, so I can, you know, you know, do the things for my children that my dad was never there to do. Yeah, I think that's huge. I, I think that's definitely huge because I, I think a lot of people, 
right? What they attribute financial gains to is to just material things like we talked about. But the fact that you want to leave it to your family is close to me. I just got married a little over a year ago and we're welcoming our first child here in a few months. So very exciting. I'm only 24, so I'm still fairly young. But since I am young and I'm in that stage where I just want to grind 24 seven and, you know, block out my family, block out my friends and do what I want to do. What's your advice to people like that? Like, how do you get into that mindset of, of balance? Manage, manage your time. You know, you know, the, the, the way you start overcoming all this is very simple. Schedule, manage your time. You know, I mean, I, I do it every single day. This is what I've been doing for the past 30 years. You know, so you understand, you know, so, you know, you, you understand, okay, so I have, I need to have my wife time, right? Okay. Right. So let me put from this time to this time is dedicated to my wife. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to send an email. I'm not going to do anything. Right. So this is my wife time, right? From this time, this time is going to be my health time. From this time, this time is for me to make money to provide for my wife and future, future kids. You know what I mean? So if you put a schedule and, and a rhyme or reason for everything, you want to get it done. Right. The issue comes. The issue comes when you're not productive and you do things that you're not productive with your time and everything blends together. So for example, if you're not crushing at work and you're messing around at work, right? And you're not getting everything you want to get done at work because you're not efficient and you not have a schedule and you don't have a plan. Next thing you know, you don't get things done at work. You know what? That goes home. And next thing you know, you're with your wife on your phone and trying to get stuff done. See? Whatever you're doing, give it 100%. And when you're done, you're done. Move on. Tomorrow will be the next day. Right. You know, I'm here with you right now. I'm going to give you 100% of what I have to you right now. I'm going to give 100% to my children later on when I pick them up. I'm not going to have my phone around. I'm not going to have anything around. I'm going to give my, them 100% of my attention because I'm going to crush what I need to do now so I can be free. I can feel good what I'm doing with them later on. Yeah, I, I think that's huge. And Craig even talks about that in his book. He talks about how... Uh, we as human beings, especially with work productivity, we can get done more than we think we can if we just focus 100%. But I think it comes down to, I guess, multitasking. People try to do too many different things at once. You know, you're eating dinner and trying to send an email at the same time. You're playing with your kids, trying to hop on a phone call. It just doesn't work. And there's no, there's not 100% productivity either way. So with all these things you're managing, right? I mean, you got the, the podcast, you've got the movement, you've got these, these transformation centers, and then you got a family and you got kids, right? I know it comes down to your schedule and being organized, but do you not get stressed at all with handling all these different things at once? Look, everything, everybody gets stressed. Stress is a part of life. You have to know that in life, there's going to be stress, right? It's how you handle the stress. It's how you handle it, how you see the stress. You know what I mean? Stress is always going to be there. I don't remember a time in my life that there was no stress. <laughs> Ever since I was in, in, in kindergarten, there was stress. Right. You know what I mean? So stress is a, is a vital part of life. The difference is how you see the stress, how you handle the stress, if you're going to let the stress break you or you're going to be able to maneuver around it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge. We, I just interviewed someone who talks about uh, stress. He talks about how, I mean, there's different things you can do during your day. He talks about going on walks, meditating, cold showers, stuff like that. But I believe a lot of it just comes down to mindset, right? And having that clear vision and goals. 100% is vision. Vision. Now, I exercise every morning, you know what I mean? But I might not be able to go for a, for a walk in the middle of the day. Right. You know what I mean? For me, stress is, look, it's going to be here. It's a fact of life. Embrace it. Don't run away from it. Don't try to subdue it. It's going to be there. 
to change how you look at it, change your lens, you change your life. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So with everything you have, right. I mean, let's, you, you have, seems like you have a wonderful family. You got a big house behind you. You got all these things. I mean, what's next? What are the goals financially for business, spiritually, physically? To improve in all areas. You know, it's really, it's really all that, you know, I have a financial goal in mind. You know, I know, I know what that number is, you know, and I have a, you know, heart, you know, a, a due date on it. I get up every morning. I look at the check because I already wrote the check to myself, you know, and, and, and look at it. And, you know, I look at my, you know, gratitude list every single morning. I look at my goals, you know, you know, every single morning, you know, but the goal in life is improve in all aspects of life. And Peter Drucker said this, what doesn't get measured doesn't get managed. So you have at all time know at least a measurement of what your goal is. Okay, so if, if, if I want to become a Santa millionaire, where am I right now? Where do I need to be next year? Where do I need to be the year after that? What do I need to do on a daily basis? What activities do I need to do to become that? If I want to lose 100 pounds by next year, what do I need to do? How much do I need to lose every week, every month? Where do I need to be at every step of the way? What daily activities do I need to do to get me there? It's, it's very simple. You know, in all areas of life, we got to improve and we got to measure where we are. If you're not measuring, you're not, you know, doing a self-assessment every once in a while and sit down and have a meeting with yourself. Yeah. Then I suggest you highly do that. Yeah. I've been consuming a lot of Gary Vee content lately. He talks about patience, right? You have these goals in mind, but just be patient. Do you think a lot of entrepreneurs, young and old, burn out because they want to reach their goals too quickly? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the number one reason. That's the number one reason people have shiny object syndrome. Oh, they, they do this for a little bit and they do this a little bit. Oh, this is not working. Oh, this is not working. This is not working. Next thing you know, they're 50, 60 years old. They're, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. They never did, went all into one thing. You know what I mean? And, you know, you got to be patient. You got you to choose what you want to do. Be patient. You know, you know, dedicate yourself to the craft 100%. And stay in your lane. I got in the fitness industry. I love the fitness industry. To this day, I'm, I'm, I read books about it. To this day, you know, I go to the gym every single day. To this day, I watch what I eat. You know, this is, I live and breathe it. So many times, man, people, when the recession happened and the COVID happened and all that kind of stuff, people, oh, I don't want to be in the fitness industry no more. No, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. I'm going to go all in. This is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. So that, so that was what you mastered in the beginning was just the fitness industry. Absolutely. So how did that work? Because I, I imagine, and I could, I've never been to Iran, but I feel like fitness is pretty big, especially in the U.S. Is fitness also big in Iran, or did you not get into it until you came over here? Well, I didn't. I, I was only, uh, let me see, I was 11 when I came here. Okay, that's right. So I was, I was in Iran, I was playing soccer. Okay. You know, so I was a soccer So I always loved fitness. I didn't know it was going to be my career. You know, I thought, you know, I was going to be a you know, professional soccer player. But when I came to the United States in 1985 in a town called Sharon in the middle of Pennsylvania, they didn't have a soccer team. So, you know, I was like, that dream was shattered. Right. So I think something else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I played soccer in college. So I know the dream of playing professionally, but you got to hang it up at one point, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's awesome too for entrepreneurs because especially on social media, I keep going back to it shiny object syndrome. There's so many different people making so much money doing different things and people who don't know what they want to do. They try to get good at all those things, right? Ecom, digital marketing, speaking, Facebook ads, whatever. 
And just like you said, and I think that's a perfect thing, which is why I go all in on the podcast is just master one thing. And then I believe that opens doors to other opportunities. So you started, you got into fitness. I assume you started the camp transformation centers first, and then that led into the one percenter movement. I started fitness concepts first, which is the parent company for the camp. Okay. Fitness fitness concepts was a one-on-one personal training company. And then, and then when the recession hit, a lot of people couldn't afford one-on-one personal training anymore, you know, and so we had to come up with a different option for them. So then fitness concepts branched out and became the camp, you know, uh, I became, you know, me and my business partner started the camp, which fitness concepts owns half of it. And my business partner owns half of it. And the camp was a group training boot camp style, you know, training program where now we have one trainer with, with you know, multiple people and the cost is a lot lower. So the camp started, you know, 10 years after Fitness Concepts, and the camp is uh, now an international franchise. Yeah, and I think that's something I want to dive into is, is you, you took a concept, it seems like you pivoted a little bit, and I may have seen it incorrectly, but over 100 locations Correct. for the centers. So for entrepreneurs who do want to scale, right? I mean, you start with one concept and you scale it to multiple locations. I mean, what are some principles behind that? I mean, I'm assuming consistency, hard work. Right, but I know there's probably a lot of strategy involved as well. As far as scaling, mm-hmm. okay. As far as scaling, the number one thing you need for in scaling is a good team. You know, number one, you know, you have to have a good team. You can't scale, especially, you know, um, especially offline. Online, right. all you do, but especially offline, if you want to be able to scale any business, you got to develop the right team. And I always tell people, you know, marketing is great, you know, but if you don't have the right team you won't be able to market because you're going to implode. So before you do anything else, man, you need to look for talent. You need to look for people who are sharing the same vision, work ethics with you on your team to be able to grow. Without that, there's no growth. So that was the first thing you did was just build a team around you. You have to. Yep. I, I mean, I brought in my business partner, you know, that, you know, you know when, when we started camp, you know, I don't, you know, I didn't want to be in a day-to-day operations of the camp. Right. I, so I brought a business partner, you know, and, I, you know, she became my partner. She runs the day-to-day operations of the camp, you know, and I oversee, you know, the big picture stuff like marketing, you know, you know, sales and, and different revenue streams. But other than that, that's it. You know, you, know you, you, you bring in people that can help you that are good at what you're not good at. Right. And that's what we have to say, the, the importance of having a partner that has different strengths, right? Correct. And I, I mean, obviously you lived it and breathed it, but having the same partner, this is more from my audience that does the same thing you do. There's no productivity there. Right. And you have less work. I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense. So you're scaling, you have a team around you. Once you have a team around you, it's just consistency at that point, I would assume. Right. It is consistently tweaking procedures, standard operating procedures, you know, and, and, and culture. Once you, have a team, once you have a team, you have to build the right culture. Right. How hard is that to build a culture? Very hard. Very hard. Yeah. Because culture is your vision. Right. You know, culture is your mission. Culture is who you are. And with culture, you got to have only people who are bought into the culture, are bought into the company, are bought, bought into the vision and your mission. So it's a lot harder. But once you build a culture internally and nothing can stop you. A culture is something 
it's just like a plant. You got to water right. it every day. You got to water it every day. You got to water it every day. And that means that, okay, some people are, are, are part of culture now, but they might not be later. Well, they got to go. Right. It's a constant and never ending, you know, uh, fallacy. So, so if you're looking to hire someone for your team, right, you already have a culture in place. Do you first hire off of their belief in your vision and then skill or vice versa? Yes, absolutely. You, you got, they got to, they got to be bought in. Right. Cause you can teach them the skills, right. But you cannot teach them to believe in you and your company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and in general, you know, you're hired based on aptitude, you know, attitude, not aptitude. Right. You know what I mean? You want, you want the attitude. You want to make sure that they, they are um, who you want in your organization. I don't care how good you are at, at whatever they do. If they don't fit in and they're going to bring everybody else down and they don't fit in the culture, there's no room for them. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's huge. And that's something, especially with the team, we have, I have a small team under me with the podcast, but, and of course it's just virtual assistants, but if you're hiring someone who doesn't have a good attitude or doesn't believe in what I'm trying to do, it's hard. It makes it a lot harder. And I think it can actually take you backwards rather than forwards. But with scaling, I think what's interesting is, is the times we're in, you know, COVID uh, police seems like an internal civil war is going on. Right. And entrepreneurs are still, they still got to grow their businesses. They still have to scale them. So especially now, say I'm an entrepreneur coming to you saying like, listen, I have a team, I have a culture, but it, I just can't, I can't scale. What should I do? I have a team, I have a culture, but I can't scale. Well, you have to figure out why they can't scale. What is, what is that? You know, you know, you know, you got to kind of do it like a diagnostic test. Right. Right. What areas are you missing? Are you missing because you don't have the right marketing team? Are you missing because you're not doing a great sell? Or you do actually get it. You don't have follow up. You don't have the right culture. You don't have the right referral system. What is missing in, in that? So, you, you know, with, with somebody who can't scale, you got to really sit down and be like, what, what are the, what are the Achilles heel? Most right. of the time, is either they don't have enough business or they don't have the right amount of the, the right people in the right seats. Right. Right. And, and I think the reason I asked is because I, I've been getting a lot of questions as well is just people don't know what to do next. Right. And people are online and maybe they're new and they've gone all in on these businesses and they're just like, I don't know what to do next. I actually had an individual reach out to me on Instagram. He asked me if he should drop out of college. I was like, dude, it's not my, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. He's like, I want to go all in on the financial industry. And he said, but I have a full ride scholarship. My meals paid for my uh, shelters paid for everything. And I'm like, dude, like what, why are you giving that up? Which made made me believe what other entrepreneurs are making these rash decisions, especially now in these unprecedented times and they're screwing themselves up for the future, you know? So I think it's just like what you said is just, if you can just take a bird's eye view on your business, what's missing, what's going wrong before making those rash decisions. I mean, I think that's perfect. And nobody, nobody cares. I mean, I mean, you can go all in your financial business in two years after, after you graduate, you know, yeah. you know, you know, it, it's, it's no big deal. You have plenty of time. You don't have to rush it. Exactly. Which comes back to patience, right? Just like we talked about. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's something, you know, I'm still dealing with myself to be completely honest. You know, I'm 24, I'm young. And I don't know if you feel this, but you have your child in the way, right? So you're like, shit, I got to, 
get, you know, get going, right? Because it's a scary feeling. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful feeling, but also scary at the same time. But then I, I've been listening to Gary B a lot, and he talks about patience. And then you're reiterating it as well, just patience. Bro, look, man, everybody says they have a child, child on the way. And, and, you know, and you have a child on the way? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations, first Thank of you. all. That's yeah. going to change your mind. I think that changed a lot of perspectives for me, you know, and, and made me so much better, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, but, but that doesn't mean, first of all, the child, you know, it's not that expensive. People <laughs> say, oh, my God, it's expensive. It's not that expensive. Not too bad. You know I mean? no, it's, no, it's not that expensive, man. You know, you, you can cut out a couple of things and still be, be fine. Right. You know, a lot of people, oh, my God, it's cost. No, no. You know, you know, Jesus was born in a barn. You know, and, you know, they didn't, they didn't spend any extra money, you know, to, to raise Jesus, you know, so and, and, and your, your kid will be fine. So what you have to do now is be more strategic, right? Strategic, you know, to manage your time, right? And focus on focus your uh, efforts in all the what I call habu, highest and the best use activities, you know, and and once you do that, you, you know, all you have to do is the only ingredient missing is consistency and time. Exactly. Yeah, that's huge. Great advice. So Sam, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping us up. And I always ask this last question as well. You know, a, a lot of podcasting with, you know, let's get one piece of advice that you can give to my audience. I feel like you had advice this entire episode, so I'm not going to ask that. But why do you love what you do? And why is it important for all business owners, entrepreneurs to also love what they do? Well, I love what I do because what I do is my passion. Working out has been my passion since I was 12 years old. So I don't feel like I'm working. Right. I feel like I'm, I'm, my, if my hobby has become my paycheck. Right. And see, in life, there's usually two types of people. There are, there are people who love what they, they love something, but that thing doesn't pay their bills. So they have to go get a, get a job that they don't really like and then have a hobby on the side. Right. And there are people, you know, who, who, you know, love what they do, but it's not their hobby. Right. So when you find something that you absolutely love to do, you'll do it. If I get $10 billion in my bank account tomorrow, guess what I'm doing tomorrow morning. I'm going to gym. Exactly. <laughs> it won't change anything to me. I'll get up in the morning and go to the gym. And when you find something that pays your bills and you love to do, it's your hobby, and you would do it if you had no money or if you had money. That's the magic formula. Yeah. And so um, I encourage everyone to find that one thing that they love to do. There is over 8 billion people in this world. All you have to do is pick one thing that you love, become the best at it, and make a business out of it. Very simple. You don't need 8 billion people in the world. You need 0.000000001% of that <laughs> to like what you do, and you're going to become very wealthy. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think it's a great thing to end on. Sam, I appreciate your time in. How can my audience get in touch with you? You know, if somebody wants to get in touch with me directly, they can text me. You know, I have a community phone number, 909-200-4015.
And um, also they can go to any of my social media handles, Sam Bakhtiar, S-A-M-B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R. And I'm very active on Instagram, Facebook, and all that stuff. Awesome. Yeah, guys, reach out to Sam. Let him know what you thought about the episode. And Sam, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.